Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I'm here today with David Henderson. Hello, everyone. Joy to be with you and with you, Michelle. Well, thank you. Good to be with you, too. We are here today to discuss, David, your sermon from this past Sunday on James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, with the title of Seeking Wisdom. And, you know, someone said to me this week how happy they are to have the transcripts of the sermon on our blog and the podcast of the sermon because they, she, she said, you know, sometimes I just kind of zone out. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, oh, wait, what did I miss? <laughs> and as I'm looking at my notes, I'm like, oh, shoot, that happens to me too. <laughs> Maybe not five minutes, but there are times when I zone out and I think, gosh, what, what did I miss? <laughs> yes. Right. And unfortunately, my, my bent, as you know, all too well, Michelle, and those of you who listen to me is um, I'm not casual about how I use my time in my sermon. I am always trying to part of my careful word choice and even writing it all out is I, I do want to try to maximize time. So sometimes it can be like, you know, five minutes if I'm walking through my neighborhood, I'm missing something different than five minutes if I'm driving down the highway right you know, in terms of what what the territory is i've passed so i find it helpful also to go back and to you know okay what how do we get from point a to point wherever yes yes well you two talked about on sunday um you started with the will which i thought was a really interesting place to start when we're mm -hmm. talking about wisdom can you just kind of talk through why you started there yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, it th I think in in so many respects, Michelle, from my perspective, as I studied this passage, um, I, I I really think that it is often in our translations and the way that this is approached, this is dealt with as a matter of belief and doubt, and for good reason, because that is one way that the main issue in this passage can be addressed. But um, it it does as in my study, it really seemed to me that the heart of the issue of the second half of the passage um, has much more to do with my readiness to respond to the wisdom that God makes known. Not whether or not I believe God is capable of communicating wisdom to me or to be trusted when he does, those are important issues, but I really don't think that that's what this passage is getting at. Uh, so I used in the middle of the message, I used this uh, illustration of Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback and Travis Kelsey as a receiver um, to get at kind of the two aspects of this passage. The Patrick Mahomes as quarterback side is what, what can we expect will come out of the pocket when I'm downfield? And uh, James says, wow, Here's what you've got coming to you. You mm. can count on, absolutely count on a God who will be generous when you ask and 
who will not be stingy. He will he will be inclusive. He's delighted to pour out his wisdom on all and not just a select few. And he doesn't he doesn't scold and scrutinize and judge and and hold against us our not knowing what his will and wisdom is. He's delighted to bring us into it. So he doesn't uh, find fault in us as he does that. He's, so this is this portrait um, in the first verse that we looked at, verse five, of the character and heart of God, hmm. which is all the time in every way reliably generous and towards us. And then the whole second half of the passage deals with, so me on the receiving end of that, what's going to determine how well I'm able to receive what is coming to me from this generous, bountiful, good, trustworthy God. And, and that's why it felt so important to, for me to address um, that I, I think the issue isn't belief and doubt, but is the issue of, um, am I, is my life yielded to God? Am I, am I receiving the wisdom of God with a prior yes in my heart? Or am I receiving the wisdom of God from a posture of scrutiny? And one of the things I said, I think in both mm. messages was, um, you know, that our tendency is always to say, sure, God, yeah, yeah, you, you're welcome to, um, to tell me what to do, as long as you explain to me why you want me to do it. And, <laughs> and that explanation satisfies me and, and it, and makes sense to me, in which case I'm willing to go along. You know, I think that if there's two fundamental ways that we can receive the wisdom of God. So um, it felt important. I, I think it's helpful. Sometimes sermons can feel so just one-off, like, now we're talking about this, now this, now this, now this. And you can really feel that in James. And I wanted to just step back and just say, all right, what's the basic context that um, informs why James might address this? And I think that context is this essential, um, incredible spiritual reality that the God of the universe has given us choosing power. He has given us autonomy and freedom to make our own choices and and that's an amazing gift to lay at God's feet, making our wills align with his. And it's a horrible gift to express in independence from God, which is obviously what happened in the garden and set all of humanity off on this path that's contrary to the heart of God. Hmm. Yeah, I um I did really enjoy that that illustration. Because it it does so aptly, perhaps is the word. Um, it just helps me put in perspective uh, what you know. What is my posture? You know, when when I'm asking for wisdom from God, is my posture like, yeah, I'm asking for wisdom, but I'm going to run my route, not yours, or is my posture of I'm keeping attuned? to where you are and um, what's happening on the field so that I'm in the right position yeah. to receive. Yeah. I'm running the play that you called quarterback. Yes. Right. Uh, right. Right. And which will put me in the right place to receive that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it works whether, I mean, I know nothing about football. 
hardly anything about football, right? Like downs, that's about all I know. Touchdowns, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know you need to get 10 downs and or 10 yards and four downs or less. And so like, that's about all I know. I have no, I, I'm in the pocket. That's a word that I hear all the time with commentators. I, it, um, so you don't have to know a lot about football to understand, uh, to be able to um, grasp that illustration, which I think is helpful. And going back to um, to God and his wisdom, uh, one of the things that we talked about in our community group on Sunday morning as we were discussing this sermon was the, you mentioned this um, when you were talking about James 1.5, you know, in verse two, we and we talked about this last week, that when you fall into trials um, or when you're overwhelmed by trials, when you trip and fall into them, um, and then this week's verse starts with, if you need wisdom, um, and it was more of a, it's, it's not so much an, if you need it as much as, and well, if you need it and you do. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, so therefore <laughs> ask God and he will give generously, um, which I thought was really helpful. Like, yes. do I need God's wisdom? Like, that's not the question. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I think that's right. Um, and I, I think it's, this is one of those places, wisdom is one of those realms from my perspective, Michelle, where my being a creature in relationship with my creator is most exposed because it doesn't matter how much I know, there's still so much I don't know. It doesn't matter how wise I am. There's still so much wisdom that I lack because I'm a finite being. I have just my own small perspective on life and relationships and the world. I, I can see only so little and um, my capacity to understand it is so small. So that, that sense of the, whenever we're in the realm of wisdom, I'm always lacking. It is, mm. it is by definition, my starting point as a creature. Um, I'm always in lacking the wisdom that my creator has. So it really is a permanent posture. Um, mm. Yeah. And I think, but I think it's also tempting. It's also super tempting to think, which you said a little bit earlier, like to think, okay, God, um, I just, uh, I just want to approve those plans, right? Like I just, they just need my stamp of approval before we get moving on that. And it's, it's so tempting to have that attitude instead of the attitude of surrender and, and receiving. Yeah. Yeah, Michelle, we've talked about this before, but I think the uh, the issue of authority mm-hmm. is so central as maybe the spiritual issue of our day. And I think it's much more central in the Christian life than we often think about. It. And it was so striking to go through this passage and realize how many of these words have to do with the idea of me rightly lining myself up beneath God, who is my authority. Hmm. And, uh, and that's, and, and the um, thing that James is challenging is when we stand outside and scrutinize, when we are deciding we, God is the one whose decisions we are scrutinizing instead of the other way around God scrutinizing our decisions. We are the ones exercising right. our wisdom to decide, does the God of the universe actually know what he's doing or not? Um, <laughs> you think of the irony of that, 
wow. Um, yeah, back to I always need wisdom. Um, yes, the, the I mean, I think it's it's this is one of those things, and we and again that we've talked about this too. Um, the evangelical church, I think, has in the last 70, 50 years has, uh, I think, oversimplified what faith means so that mm. it can be an intellectual assent to things that are true about God and not a placing of my life beneath him. And I think we're recovering that sense that faith is allegiance, faith is yieldedness, faith is submission, faith is a life under a life. Um, it, mm. it's, it's not me as a on my way to heaven person. Um, that's a very different and much too oversimplified way of thinking about the Christian life. So yeah, so the whole notion of, of allegiance, yieldedness, I think is much more central to how we should think about a basic definition of Christianity um, mm. than it has been in the church. Yeah, which brings me to the discussion um, later in these verses about where James describes someone who's not ready to receive yeah. as, as double-minded or unstable. And um, I have to be honest, this is kind of where I, I spaced out a little bit. <laughs> Fair so, enough. so here's what I have written down. I probably spaced out around this point too. So. <laughs> uh, that the double-minded is like two selves two different people living in the same body. Yeah. Is that how you described it? Yeah. I mean, it literally just means two souls or two selves, but I think it's trying to get at this idea that somehow there are two entities buying within a single being. Mm. Um, and so they have separate and the, the soul was understood to be the, the seat of one's affection or allegiance. So it's like this, I'm, I'm, which direction should we go that way? You know, it's that's kind of that sense of a of a person completely at odds with themselves because um, their will is operating independently from the will of God instead of in alignment with the will of God, which would make that person an integral person, a person of integrity. Integer means one, you know, that idea mm. that I'm a I'm a, a one entity, a single entity. I'm not at odds with myself. Which, yeah. And you may have said this, but I don't remember. <laughs> Which just reminds me about of Paul in Romans. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I want to do. That yes. whole, like, it, and that's just, that passage in Romans is just a really great example of mm -hmm. this concept of, like, I, I, I want to be in allegiance with God and I want to be in allegiance with myself. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, and, Michelle, that's yeah. a great example. And I think you also bring up something that's really helpful. You know, it's, um, James uses mutually exclusive categories and, and I think it's helpful that this is a little bit of a Lord, I believe help my unbelief, Lord, I am yielded. Um, please conquer me in those parts of my life where I'm not yet yielded because mm. both are true. We're, we're all Romans seven people and Romans eight people who are mm -hmm. as followers of Jesus. You know, we're, we're more and more our lives, our, our wills are being aligned with God's, but there's, isn't a person walking on the planet who can say, yep, mine is, mine's completely aligned, but we can say more and more, I see evidence of my life, of my will being aligned with God's will. Mm -hmm. So 
we are all at some level two souled people, but more and more God is desiring us to be one soul, single selfed people. Yes. And conform to the image of Christ. Yeah. Yes. Yes. One verse that was brought up in our community group that I found helpful to think about was, is Psalm 8611, where the psalmist prays, give me an undivided heart. Oh, that's great. I was like, oh, that's such a great verse. Right. Yeah. So when I'm feeling that tension, that pull, like, okay, Lord, give me an undivided heart. So the other, the other word that James uses here is unstable. Can I, can I just oh, interrupt you real quick? Yes. Yeah. Just, I just thought this was, um, uh, Kierkegaard has a book, the title of which is purity of heart is to will on thing. Hmm. Isn't that a great line? Purity of heart is to is will, to will one, one thing. thing. Yeah, that's one of those who just kind of, okay, that I could live in that one for an hour. And um, yeah, I'm yes. oh, sorry. I interrupted yes. you. We're talking about the word unstable. So, yes. So now we need to, now we're moving from undivided or divided with the desire to be undivided to unstable. And unstable really means out from under one's proper place. Out not under. Okay. it's the the word is not standing under is how the greek is structured so oh. um, okay. it's uh so again that's one of those like five different words in this passage that keeps getting back at the question of this is about my yes to god my yieldedness um it's not about me waffling between two different perspectives it's not about um me feeling some hesitation about um wow, how's this going to play out if I, if I, um, if I do this or this, that it's just, is, is my heart ready to say yes to God? Mm -hmm. Am I under him? I mean, it's, you, you go back to the analogy actually to develop just a little further with Kelsey and Mahomes. Um, you know, a lot of us think if I wear the uniform, I'm on the team hmm. and, um, and it does not make, think of the stands are filled with people wearing the uniforms, but if you're on the, field you have to run the plays there is this submission there's a yieldedness they first they all get together in a huddle this is the play we're doing next and everybody says i know what that means for me my part is this i am called to do this in order for this play to be carried out and if i'm uh dancing down the field doing my own thing making up my own moves um then i'm yeah, I reflect that I am not a committed and submitted member of the team. I'm going to have to sit with that for a little while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, and then all the people in the stands who are cheering, they're like, they're cheering for the people on the team, but they are not on the team mm -hmm. just because they're wearing the jersey. For unstable... Um, one of the illustrations you used was of a stream that forms to the contours of the land. Yeah, and that was actually, yes, so that was that getting at the idea, idea of yieldedness. This is really interesting. Frankie Khan is from Hong Kong, a uh, member of our congregation, uh, delightful guy. He, he pointed out that in the Chinese translations in the scripture, um, the dominant word for yieldedness or submittedness to God that's used in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the primary Chinese word, um, you know, the, in, in Chinese, often the words are 
formed by um, form, bringing together uh, several different word pictures um, that together kind of suggest what the meaning of the word is. And he said, there's a whole word family built around the idea of a stream of water. And then there's also another way of understanding yieldedness that's used just once in scripture in Psalm 32, that is the idea of a horse um, that needs to be guided and led and and all of that. And that's that passage you may remember where God says, Mm -hmm. that's not how I want to have to lead you. I don't want to be the one who is actively uh, constraining you and corralling you and tugging at the bit and the bridle. Um, I, I want you to just follow my way. And so, yeah, that picture of water following the contour of the land, it, it never stops and says, well, which way should I go at this juncture? You know, it just does, it just, gravity just leads it right on down the, the path that's, um, that's ahead of it. And that picture of the ideal of our wills yielded up to the will of God, I think is beautiful and challenging. Yes, it is. One of the things that's occurred to me as we're thinking about God's will and our will is that many times, especially I think maybe in the evangelical church, we tend to think of God's will of what school should I go to? What career should I follow? What where, what house should I buy? What school should my children go to? What, you know, all these, all these uh, action decisions, like what is the Lord's will? And I, I wonder if really the Lord's will, he is really more concerned about who we are as we do rather than what we do. Because if, 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 as you say, we are more and more conformed to God's will, and we are we are becoming more like Jesus as we go, then maybe the decisions don't become quite so agonizing. I, I think you have put your finger on a really astute observation, Michelle. I, I really agree with you. Um, I, I think that our obsession with discerning the will of God at times can be, you know, I run my life until I come to intersections. Then I try to figure out exactly what God wants. And I feel profound consternation to know which way I should go. And then once I get on that path, I run my life until I get to the next major decision, which is um, really the horse being led model where the stream and what, what you're getting at, I think is so right. Um, I think it isn't that the choices I make become unimportant, mm. but it is that the the way that I walk through life uh, along the way, I am the water in the way that is conforming and being conformed more and more to the ways and the purposes of God. I think what that's getting at is the spirit of God like you said, and you've said this twice, and I love that you keep coming back to this. God's project is to make us into the likeness of Jesus. So more and more, we will see as he sees, we will think as he thinks, we will be brought into the mind of God, as it says in Corinthians, and uh, by the Spirit. So more and more, as we wend our way through life, at each turn, in each conversation, we'll have a sense of a Spirit-led attentiveness, and and we will 
see that moment with God at the center. And then the next moment with God at the center. And then the next moment after that with God at the center, instead of these kind of this kind of alternating between autonomy and seeking mm-hmm. God's direction and autonomy and seeking God's direction. We, we, um, it is him living his life in us and through us. Um, I, I had the experience and I hope I'll get a chance to talk more about this uh, and messages and conversations coming up. But I was just, um, for those of you who are there on Sunday, you know that I was in Charleston uh, for this conference on C.S. Lewis, which was amazing um, last <laughs> week. Um, Michelle, you would have loved it. Um, I'm sure I would have. <laughs> yeah, you would have. It was so powerful on uh, effective evangelism today, what we can learn from Lewis. But um, I had eight substantive spiritual and life conversations with people in none of whom were the attendees at the conference. Um, Just, just the mechanics of getting there and getting back. So my Uber driver and the passengers I sat next to on the plane each time and the Airbnb uh, um, owner, the person at the checkout counter at American airlines, I had these really substantial conversations along the way and uh, it there was so it it felt so much like water in a stream bed it's um it was and i'm not saying that i have that down that attunedness to attentiveness to the spirit of god but it was really one of those moments of of having a sense of in of seeing each moment with god at the center and then as that happened i saw each person i interacted with in a different way I saw them with God. I, I saw them with reference to God and, and in terms of what God was doing in their life. And it, it led to these just kind of conversations that led down to these places of incredible substance and um, power. You know, the, I think, um, I, I think my takeaway or my final thoughts, I guess, how about this? My final thoughts about, wisdom and the will of God is that it's really important for me to be yielded and ready to receive and asking for God's wisdom daily on a daily basis as I'm interacting with my husband as I'm interacting with my children as I'm interacting with the people um, you know on my path through life with my coworkers, um, that is really important. And when I realize how important the small daily decisions are, then when I come to a big intersection decision, it's easier for me to be yielded. Yeah. And I think um, uh, one of the things that I, I don't remember if, yes, this is part of the message that I had to leave out. But one of the things that really struck me, Psalm 105 verse 4 says, uh, seek his face continually. Hmm. And and I just, uh, I've actually turned that into a kind of five finger pray, prayer. I seek your face continually. Uh, just with each of the fingers, continually, I seek your face uh, your face, I continually seek. And I just kind of going through the five fingers of kind of prayer through the day. Um, because I do think it's interesting. 
James so often, and this has only become more and more obvious to me as I've been rereading the book in preparation for this series, James so often comes back and says, don't forget, this is what God is like. Not, here's this method. Let me talk to you about prayer. No, he talks about God. Let me talk to you about uh, wisdom. He talks about God. Let me talk to you about trials. He talks about God. Let me talk to you about waiting for Jesus's return. He talks about how good God is. He, he keeps taking us back to him. And I think this is one of those ones. And it's really saying um, in a slightly different way, exactly what you just said, Michelle. The best way for me to walk in wisdom is just to seek God's face all through the day. To continue to choose to see God in the center of all things that I do and interact with Him, um, and it's from that that I become a wise man and I walk in a wise way. I live more and more in His wisdom as His Spirit makes that known to me. That the wisdom isn't this thing. Wisdom is a part of who God is that He opens up to us. So it's not just thing I access; it's this person who I allow to access my whole life and and say yes to me. Yes. And wasn't it Pilate who said, who is wise? Or no, what is, what is, he wisdom? said what is true? I oh, think. what is true? Right. Okay. Yeah. A little bit different, but I've always, I've always thought, Pilate, you had the wrong question. Right. Who is truth? Right. Exactly. <laughs> who is true? Yes. He's standing right yeah. in front of you. Anyway, yeah, I that's love that an picture aside. of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That whole idea of the way. Um, is yes. one that I don't think we think about a lot. Um, and that goes back, you think about the way and water in a stream bed. Wow, there's a picture of a, of a, of a will aligned with a will and a yes to God. Hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank Michelle. You. Thank you for joining us, David. And thank you to our audience for joining us today, whether you joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on, yeah, on our blog or on our podcast. We're grateful for the few moments you spent with us today. Have a great day.